Section 18 of From the Tower Window of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. From the Tower Window of My Bookhouse, edited by Olive Beaupre Miller. The Melting Pot by Israel Zangwill, Part 2. Dovidel. He looked up dazedly while she pointed to the candles. Shabosh. A sweet smile came over David's face. To him, religion meant less a matter of rites and ceremonies than of a pure and contrite heart. Nevertheless, he threw the quill resignedly away and submitted his head to her hands and her ancient Hebrew blessing. As she left the room, she shook her finger at him warningly, yet lest he should go back to work again. Gut Shabos, she said. David smiled after her. Gut Shabos, he answered. A moment later he was ready in his coat and hat to go out and give a music lesson. He was almost at the door when Kathleen came bustling into the room, fully dressed in outdoor garments and laden with an umbrella and a large brown paper parcel. "'Why, Kathleen, you're not going out this bitter weather,' said David. "'And who's to stay me?' bridled Kathleen, sharply fending him off with her umbrella as he offered to relieve her of her parcel. "'Oh, but you mustn't. I'll do your errand for you. What is it?' errand indeed cried kathleen indignantly i'm not here not here questioned david in surprise i'm lavin they'll come for me thrunk but who's sending you away it's sending meself i am your oly grandmother has destroyed me entirely why what has the poor old lady i don't be saltin the mate and i do be mixin the crockery i know i know David spoke gently, but Kathleen remember she was brought up to these things from her childhood, and her father was a rabbi. What's that? demanded Kathleen. A priest? A sort of priest. In Russia he was a great man. Her husband, too, was a mighty scholar, and to give him time to study holy books she had to do the chores all day for him and the children. But he died and the children left her, went to America and other far-off places, or to heaven, and she was left penniless and alone poor old lady not so old yet she was married at fifteen poor young crather but she was still the good angel of the congregation sat up with the sick and watched over the dead saints alive and then one day my uncle sent the old lady a ticket to come to america but it is not so happy for her here because you see my uncle has to be near his theatre and can't live in the jewish quarter and so nobody understands her and she sits all day alone alone with her books and her religion and her memories oh mr david kathleen was breaking down and now all this long cold snowy evening she'll sit by the fire alone thinking of her dead and the fire will sink lower and lower and she won't be able to touch it because it's the holy sabbath and there'll be no kind kathleen to brighten up the gray ashes and then at last sad and shivering she'll creep up to her room and there in the dark and the cold kathleen burst into tears dropped her parcel on the floor and tore her bonnet springs open oh mr david i won't mix the crockery i won't of course you won't david spoke heartily good night and off he went while kathleen fell down before the fire and began to poke it strenuously all the best in her heart called forth by david's appeal to her sympathies jew or gentile what mattered it here in America, all old-time enemies met, looked into each other's hearts, and understood one another on the grounds of a common humanity. 
vera was as good as her word in seeking out someone who might be persuaded to send david to europe but among all her acquaintances the only one of the great wealth in whom she could arouse the smallest interest was a certain young quincy davenport and he was interested in david solely because he loved vera and wished most particularly to please her quincy was one of those young americans who had never done any useful work in all his life but spent his days finding new and exciting ways in which to spend the enormous income that came to him from his father the greater part of his time he passed in europe and the rest in trying to ape european manners and customs and introduce them into america lazy idle pretentious he saw in america only a crude sort of place good for nothing much except as a spot where his father could make heaps of american dollars for his son to spend on thrilling amusements and pleasures scarcely a month after vera had first promised mendel to find someone to help david she sent him word that she was bringing mr davenport and herr poppelmeister the conductor of mr davenport's private orchestra to see the young man and that if herr poppelmeister found in the music he had written any evidence of genius the symphony would be produced in mr davenport's wonderful marble music hall before five hundred of the most fashionable folk in america and david would be sent to europe mendel was aglow with hope how much it meant this coming of quincy davenport yet he could hardly interest david at all in the matter the young man scarcely even listened to his uncle's information his head was full of the great ending he was writing to his symphony he had just seen a thousand little foreign-born children saluting the stars and stripes and the sight had filled his soul with all he wanted to finish his work just fancy it uncle he cried the stars and stripes unfurled and a thousand childish voices piping and foreign fresh from the lands of oppression hailing its fluttering folds ah but if you had heard them flag of our great republic flag of our great republic guardian of our homes whose stars and stripes stand for bravery purity truth and union we salute thee we the natives of distant lands who find rest under thy folds do pledge our hearts our lives our sacred honor to love and protect thee our country and the liberty of the american people forever quite right said mendel who had been vainly trying to turn david's thoughts towards his own life and the great chance now before him but you needn't get so excited over it not get excited when one hears the roaring of the fires of god when one sees souls melting in the crucible uncle all those little immigrants will grow up americans but david cried mendel surely some day you'd like your music produced you'd like it to go all over the world wouldn't it be glorious all over the world and down the ages but don't you see that unless you go and study seriously in germany just at that moment in came kathleen from the kitchen carrying a tea tray with ear-shaped cakes and bread and butter for the expected guests and wearing a grotesque false nose kathleen cried mendel in amaze but david burst out in boyish laughter sure what's the matter cried kathleen standing still with her tray look in the glass laughed david kathleen crossed to the mantel holy moses she dropped the tray so quickly as she snatched off the false nose that it would all have gone to smash had not mendel fortunately caught it ach i forgot to take it off twas the mistress gave it me i put it on to cheer her up is she so miserable then the grandmother asked david terrible low mr david to-day be in purim kathleen's voice was as sympathetic as though she had never been otherwise than the most kindly disposed toward her mistress but purim is a merry time for us kathleen like your carnival said david that's what the mistress is so miserable about you don't keep carnival there's noses for both of ye in the kitchen didn't i go with her to hester street and to buy em but ye don't be axin for em and to see your noses laying round so solemn and neglected faith it nearly makes me try myself 
who can remember about purim in america said mendel bitterly but david only smiled poor granny tell her to come in and i'll play her a purim jig no no david interrupted mendel hastily not here the visitors visitors cried david what visitors mendel grew impatient that's just what i've been trying to explain well i can play in the kitchen then and off went david with his violin while mendel shrugged his shoulders hopelessly at the boy's perversity soon from the kitchen was heard the sound of a merry slavic jig with frau quixano laughing and calling kathleen to join in the fun even mendel's feet began to keep time to the music when the hoot of an automobile and the rattling of a car warned him that the guests were come in another moment vera and quincy appeared in the room quincy was adorned with an orchid and an eyeglass and was quite evidently a dude it was equally evident too that he deeply admired miss revendal there followed soon after them herr poppelmeister a burly german with a leonine head enormous spectacles and a mane of white hair he appeared very grave and silent and clutched a bunchy umbrella of which he never let go herr poppelmeister was a famous musical conductor who enjoyed a salary of twenty thousand dollars a year conducting quincy's private orchestra for the amusement of quincy's friends quincy himself had no knowledge of music but he had brought herr poppelmeister to discover if david had any real genius i'm so sorry said mendel to vera i can't get david to come into the room he's terrible shy won't face the music eh sniggered quincy did you tell him i was here questioned vera disappointed of course answered mendel he will not come but i've persuaded him to let me show you his manuscript then he turned anxiously to poppelmeister you must remember his youth and his lack of musical education he said with an air of apology please the manuscript said poppelmeister mendel moved david's music stand into the center of the room and poppelmeister put the manuscript on it so all eyes centered eagerly on him with irritating elaborateness he polished his glasses and then read in silence but cried quincy bored by the silence won't you play it for us play it cried poppelmeister am i an orchestra i play it in my brain and so he went on ruffling his hair unconsciously so you don't seem to like it said vera anxiously i do not comprehend it i knew it was crazy said mendel it is supposed to be about america or a crucible or something and of course there are heaps of mistakes poppelmeister became absorbed again in the music sublimely unconscious of all about him ach so 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 dot is somethings different he began to beat time with his ridiculous bunchy umbrella moving more and more vigorously till at last he was conducting elaborately as if a whole orchestra sat before him stretching out his left palm for pianissimo passages and raising it vigorously for forte with every now and then an exclamation wunderschon now the flutes clarinets ach ergolich bassoons and drums colossal colossal bravo bravo vera clapped her hands i'm so excited then it isn't bad poppy yawned quincy but poppelmeister went on not even listening sh sh piano don't say sh to me said quincy outraged look here poppy and he seized the wildly waving umbrella we can't be here all day with a blank stare poppelmeister returned to himself ach what it is he cried what it is we've had enough said quincy enough of such a beautiful symphony it may be beautiful to you said quincy but it's blamed stupid for us see here poppy if you're satisfied that the young fellow has sufficient talent to be sent to study in germany germany interrupted herr poppelmeister germany has nothings to teach him he has to teach germany bravo cried vera again 
I always said he was a genius, said Mendel. Then you can put his stuff on one of my programs, inquired Quincy. I should be proud to introduce it to the world. At that joyous news, Mendel hastened to the kitchen and fairly dragged David into the room. Oh, Mr. Quixano, I'm so glad, cried Vera. Mr. Davenport is going to produce your symphony in his wonderful marble music room. Yes, young man, said Quincy, I'm going to give you the most fashionable audience in America, and if Poppy is right, you are just going to rake in the dollars. For one long moment David spoke not a word in answer to this magnificent offer. Was he trying to realize the good fortune that lay at his feet? All at once he drew himself up in a peculiar manner, and then he turned to Vera and said, I can never be grateful enough to you, and I can never be grateful enough to Herr Poppelmeister. It is an honor even to meet him. Mine brave young men, cried Poppelmeister, choked with emotion and patting him on the back. But before I accept Mr. Davenport's kindness, I must know to whom I am indebted. His voice grew suddenly stern, and he looked Quincy full in the eyes. Is it true that you live in America only two months of the year, and then only to entertain Europeans who wander to these wild parts? Lucky for you, young man, said Quincy, toying with his eyeglass. You'll have an Italian prince and a British duke to hear your scribblings. In the palace, where they will hear my scribblings, is it true that— Mr. Quixano, interrupted Vera on pins and needles, lest he spoil his chance. What possible— But David entreatingly held up his hand for silence, and went on with an increase of firm self-command. Is this palace the same whose grounds were turned into Venetian canals where the guests ate in gondolas, gondolas that were draped with the most wonderful trailing silks in imitation of the Venetian nobility in their great winter fates? Ah, Miss Rivendell, Quincy turned to Vera. What a pity you refused that invitation. It was a fairy scene of twinkling lights and delicious darkness. Each couple supped in their own gondola. And the same night, men and women died of hunger in New York. David delivered his words with stinging directness, like a blow that came straight from the shoulder. What? Quincy was so startled, he dropped his eyeglass. And this is the sort of people you would invite to hear my symphony? These gondola guzzles? Mr. Quixano, cried Vera. David, cried Mendel. You low-down ungrateful, yelled Quincy. Not for you and such as you have I sat here writing and dreaming. Not for you shall my music sing of the true America. You you who are killing my america your america you jew immigrant quincy had grown furious jew immigrant yes david's eyes flashed and he held his head high but a jew who knows that your pilgrim fathers came straight out of his old testament pure and consecrated of spirit like abraham led out of a land of oppression to seek a land of promise it is you freak fashionables seeking only your own selfish pleasures blind and deaf to the meaning of america using her only as a money-bag to be squeezed for her dollars you who are undoing the work of washington and lincoln vulgarizing your high heritage and turning the last and noblest hope of humanity into a caricature ha 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 ho 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 laughed quincy you never told me your jew scribbler was a socialist i am nothing but a simple artist david's manner grew once more unassuming and boyish but his tone thrilled through and through with the tensity of his earnestness but i came from europe one of her victims and i know that she is a failure that her palaces and peerages are outworn toys of the human spirit and that the only hope of humanity lies in a new world and here in the land of tomorrow you are trying to bring back europe i wish we could interjected quincy europe with her comic opera coronets and her worm-eaten stage decorations and her pomp and chivalry built on a morass of crime and misery but you shall not kill my dream there shall come a fire round the crucible that will melt you 
you and your breed like wax in a blowpipe america shall make good the restrained certainty of his quiet words cut like a knife quincy was so angry that he could only clench his fist and stand speechless at that herr poppelmeister who had sat imperturbable throughout this remarkable scene sprang up and began to wave his umbrella frantically hoch quixano long live quixano hoch hoch he cried poppy you're dismissed shouted quincy and left the house at white heat mendel followed him hot on his heels in the vain hope of smoothing his ruffled feathers what on earth could his crazy david mean throwing such a chance away thought mendel oh herr poppelmeister said david you have lost your place and saved my soul cried poppelmeister dollars are the devil i blame me now good music and no more cheap stuff by command of quincy davenport and off he went his very umbrella bristling with newly found self-respect vera and david were left alone david feared lest vera would leave him now in anger at what he had done and never see him again but vera glowed with admiration at the courage of his stand vanished from her heart was all her old prejudice against the jew vanished from david's all instinct against the gentile and in that moment of uplifted feeling they both discovered they loved one another some time later when vera was gone and mendel once more came dejectedly home david threw his arms boyishly around his uncle's neck i am so happy uncle he said vera will be my wife miss revendal mendel threw his nephew off as though he had struck him have you lost your wits remember you are a jew yes and just think said david she was bred up to despise jews her father was a russian baron if she was the daughter of fifty barons you could not marry her uncle cried david in pained amaze you cling to old prejudice still you who have come to the heart of the crucible where the roaring fires of god are fusing our race with all the others not our race cried mendel passionately not your race and mine the jew has been tried in a thousand fires and only grown harder for them all fires of hate answered david not fires of love that is what melts here in this new republic we must look forward we must look backward too interrupted mendel backward to what cried david to kishinev in that butcher's face hush mendel was alarmed calm yourself david struggled yes i will calm myself but how else shall i do so save by holding out my hands with prayer and music toward america the republic of man and the kingdom of god the past i cannot mend take away the hope that i can mend the future and you make me mad you are mad already your dreams are mad the jew is hated here as elsewhere you are false to your race i keep faith with america i have faith that america will keep faith with me go then cried mendel marry your gentile and be happy you turn me out asked david you would not stay and break my mother's heart you know she would mourn at your marrying a gentile with the rending of garments and the seven days sitting on the floor go you have cast off the god of our fathers and the god of our children thundered david does he demand no service but he had scarcely spoken so stormily when he suddenly grew quiet touching his uncle affectionately on the shoulder he said slowly you are right i must go i will hide the truth said mendel mother must never suspect just at that moment frau quixano was heard laughing uproariously with kathleen in the kitchen ah said mendel bitterly you have made this a merry purim in rushed frau quixano with david's violin begging him to play mendel put out a protesting hand no no david don't play now i couldn't bear it but i must answered david you said she must never suspect and it may be the last time i shall ever play for her and he looked at the old woman lovingly as he took the fiddle and started the same old slavic dance 
Frau Quixano took a grotesque false nose from her pocket and clapped it on, laughing in childish glee. Torn between laughter and tears, David laughed also. Mutter, cried Mendel, shocked, but Frau Quixano's only answer to his dignified expostulation was to force a false nose on him also, unwilling though he was, and she and Kathleen danced to David's music till they both fell breathless into a chair. Then, with a sad and affectionate farewell glance at his grandmother, David took his hat, his coat, and his violin, and slipped quietly out of the house that had sheltered him so long. It was only a two-dollar-a-month garret, six feet square, that he could afford henceforth, but then that was as large as a first-class cabin on board a boat, so David had only pretend he had a stateroom on the top deck of one of the great ocean liners, and it seemed quite luxurious, and himself a millionaire at least he and vera were very happy though he was not earning nearly enough so they could even dream of marrying instead of housekeeping yet End of section eighteen